Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be in your presence. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that as we are gathered here to study your word, you give us understanding. We pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, that you be here to teach us in Jesus' mighty name. We pray, O oh God, that we will be part of the church that is preparing for your coming. In the name of Jesus, give us the grace to walk worthy of our calling. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, I know that last week we did not have time to ask questions. Um, I don't know if um, there are any questions. I knew, I know people had questions, but... Didn't have we didn't have the chance to go through the questions. So today I want us to start with questions. Is uh, does anybody have qu a question from last week? What we saw last week. Hold on, I'm trying to remember. I have my notes at home. Hold on, I'm coming. I'm looking. I'm coming. <laughs> okay. I'm All right. Or else we can um, probably we can start for this week and then we can take the questions at the end. I'll leave some time for questions at the end so that we can go through last week's questions and this week's questions. If that's okay. 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 Yes, I think that will give you some time um, to I mean get those questions ready. Okay. All right. Okay. If that works, then um. No, I know that last week we um, we looked at Revelation chapter 6, but um, we're going to go over Revelation chapter 6 again. We're going to do Revelation chapter 6 again because last week, um, I, I think that um, some of the, because some of my slides were mixed up, so we, we did not cover some of the seals and we had to come back after doing Revelation chapter 7, which might be quite confusing so we are going to look at revelation chapter 6 again and i'm sure some will touch of some of the things that are going to bring up the questions that we need to address today um so i'll leave some time for questions today um so i'm going to um start revelation i'm going to read revelation chapter 6 again revelation chapter 6 begins with um, the opening of the seal. So in chapter 5, we saw that nobody was worthy to open the seal. But then Jesus Christ was um, found worthy to open the seal. And so he took the seal out of the hand of him who sat on the throne, which is God. And then he opened the seal. So Revelation chapter 6 starts with the seals, the opening of the seals. So chapter 6 verse 1. Now I saw when the lamp opened one of the seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, the white horse, he who sat on it, had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And I remember last week we said this is the Antichrist. 
Now, a lot of people have confused the one who is coming in this on this white horse with Jesus Christ. And I am not surprised because the Antichrist will come in a form of deception as if he's a man of peace, as if he's bringing peace to the world. But then he's not bringing peace. He will come in a form of deception. And we compare this to the coming of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 19, where we saw Jesus Christ was coming on a horse, a white horse. And then he had crowns. He had a lot of crowns. A crown was not given to Jesus Christ. He had many crowns. And the Bible says he came to wage war with the people with the sword of his mouth. And so whenever Jesus Christ was described, or whenever Jesus Christ is being described, described in any of the apocalyptic, apocalyptic literatures, we see Jesus Christ with a sword and not with a bow. And we saw we saw that the Antichrist was coming with a bow without arrows because his um, weapons had been taken away from him, as is mentioned in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says, having disarmed principality and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. I think this is what we did in our Bible study. And so the Antichrist did not have any weapon. So he had a bow, but he doesn't have an arrow. So he's not coming as a man of war to wage war against the people of God. But he's coming with deception. He, he will appear like a man of peace, but he's not a man of peace. He's actually coming to deceive the people. And the Bible makes us understand that in the first three years, he's going to appear like um, a man of peace. And we are going to see from Daniel. And I remember saying again that when the Bible talks about um, a man coming or the horse, horses being released and they coming from heaven, it does not mean that the people are going to see the horses with their visible eyes. But it's some sort, some sort of apocalyptic um, language to, so, to, to show that this was released from heaven or it, was, it is happening in heaven. So people are not going to see the horses with their eyes, but they will see the effect of the horses or the things that are being said about the horses. They will see those things happening on earth. And I said again that the Antichrist will not be coming from the sky. No. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 7 that the beast that is being spoken about will, be, will come out of the man. The, the Bible actually used the word the sea and the sea there represents the man. And so the Antichrist will rise out of the man and he's not, going to be, um, he's not going to be coming from the sky, but he will rise out of the man. And so um, there are videos around of horses flying in the sky and all that. But the Bible, when you read the Bible, it makes us understand that the Antichrist will be coming out of the man. And the Bible also tells us that the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. The Bible tells us that the man on this horse, a crown will be given to that man. But Jesus Christ does not need a crown to be given to that man. And I have scriptures here from Daniel chapter 8, verse 23. That also talks about the Antichrist. When you read Daniel chapter um, 7 to chapter 9, you can pick a little, um, some of the things that are being said about the Antichrist from these chapters of Daniel um, and, and some of the things that are being said about the end times from these three chapters of Daniel. And so Daniel chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. The Bible says that and in, in the latter time of their kingdom, when the trans, 
transgressors have reached their fullness. A king shall arise, having fierce features, who understand sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not his own power. He shall destroy fearfully. He shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall he shall call deceit to prosper under his rule. He shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. He shall be broken, broken without human means. The vision of the evenings and mornings which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the visions, for it refers to many days in the future. And I, Daniel fainted and was sick for days after i rose and went about the king's business i was astonished by the vision but no one understood it so this is part of the vision that daniel saw and and the um, the bible tells us that gabriel came to give him the meaning of the vision and gabriel was telling him that at the end of the age there was a king who was going to arise and that is what he had seen in his vision daniel um gabriel said that at the end of the age there was a king who was going to arise who was going to be very um he was going to use cunning means and deceitful means to prosper and deceive and take the hearts of the people. The Bible says that the power that is he had was not his own power, but it was given to it. It was given to him. This also confirms the fact that the Antichrist does not have power on his own. He doesn't have any crown, but the crown will be given to him. The authority that the Antichrist will have will be given to him by the devil. And he will use deceitful, deceitful means, convince the people and win the heart of the people. This thing is also written about in the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 to 27, the Bible also says that the Antichrist is going to enter into a treaty with the people, with Israel. And in the first three and a half years, he will break that treaty with Israel. And then the next, so the next, the seven, in the seven years period, when he enters, at the beginning of the seven years period, he will enter into a treaty or a covenant with Israel. The first three and a half years, he will break the covenant with Israel. And that is when he will begin to show his actual powers. The Bible tells us from the beginning, there are 10 kings that will give their power to him, but three of them are going to fall out. And then one, a little one will arise to replace that. But then at the end of the first three and a half years, he's going to break his, he's going to break his covenant with Israel. And that is when he will start showing his actual character. So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 27, I'm going to read. The Bible says, 70 weeks are determined upon the, thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression. And to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation of iniquity, and to bring the everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall shall be seventy weeks and three scores and two weeks. The street shall be built again. The war, the war, and even troublous time and after three scores and two weeks shall me shall messiah be cut off but not himself and the people of the prince shall come and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with flood 
and until the end of the war, the solutions are determined. Verse 27 is what I'm trying to say. That he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and that oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of the abomination, he shall make it desolate, even unto consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. I mean, this talks about the fact that the Antichrist was going to enter into a treaty with Israel as a man of peace, being able to bring peace. And then halfway through the treaty, he's going to break that covenant. He's going to break the treaty. And that is when he begins to reveal who he really is. And so when the first seal is open, the Antichrist is revealed. And like I said, the church is what is preventing the Antichrist from being revealed. And therefore, once the church is raptured into heaven, the event that leads to the unfolding of the end will begin to happen quickly. Now, we know that... I'm sorry. So now we know that... Um, Sorry about that. So now we know that um sorry, I'm trying to get what the point I'm just making. Right, so now we know that once the church is taken away, the first thing that happens is the release of the Antichrist. Now, as soon as the church is taken away, or as soon as the church is raptured, there are seven years well, seven years left to the returning of Jesus Christ. So the rapture of the church will begin, will mark the beginning of the tribulations. So once the church is raptured, there is seven years more before the return of Jesus Christ. Who he, he, When Jesus Christ is returning, he will be returning with the church. So for the, for as, as soon as the church is raptured, for the next seven years, the church is going to be in heaven with Jesus Christ until we return together with Jesus Christ at, at his returning. And that will be part of the army of Jesus Christ, which will, will be coming to establish the reign of Jesus Christ here on earth. So the rapture of the church actually marks the beginning of um, the tribulation. And if someone will ask, when is the church going to be raptured? I would just say any moment from now, because we don't know exactly when the church is going to be raptured. But Jesus Christ has promised us. That the church is going to be raptured. There are two things that Jesus Christ promised. He said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And then I'll come back for you later. He fulfilled the first promise. And the fact that he fulfilled the first promise means that we can rest assured that he was going to fulfill the second promise. He, the promise of the Holy Ghost happened. The disciples had the Holy Ghost. The second promise that he was going to come back again for the church. We can bank our hopes on that that is also going to happen and so as soon as the church leaves the tribulation starts the first thing that happens the first first seal that is open will be the release of the antichrist now the next thing that happens is that the second when the second seal is is open is that um there is going to be war because peace will be taken out of the earth 
So when you read um, chapter uh, verse 3, it says, When he opened the second seal, I had a second living creature, saying, Come and see. Another horse very red went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and, and that the people... And that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And so the second thing that happened after the church is ruptured, the second seal is open and there will not be peace in the world. There is war. There is fighting. There is killing in, on the earth. And people begin to kill one another. And I remember saying last week that even now that we 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 know that the the second seal has not been opened and we assume that there is peace or peace has not been taken out of the world even now look at the killings happening look at how people are fighting against one another what about the time when peace is actually taken out of this world now even right now a lot of uh, peace councils have been set um, organizations have been set up to bring peace and to promote world peace and all that there is still wars happening but the bible tells us that tells us that the tribulation of that time there is nothing that can be compared to the tribulation of that time it has never happened in the history of men before the difficulty that is going to men are going to experience the difficulty that is going to happen has never happened in history of man before and like I said, this is not a time that any one of us want to live in. It's not a time that we wish for ourselves. And so as believers, what we have to do is to ensure that we walk like Jesus Christ. So that when Christ finally comes for his church, we are going to live with him. And we are not going to experience all these things. This is our glorious hope. Anytime the church was talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, it was to comfort the believers. It was to bring hope to the believers. It was never to scare the believers. And so, if we are people who love Jesus Christ, and we are one day going to be reunited with the one we claim we love, then there is nothing to be afraid of. As a child of God, there is nothing to, to, um, to fear. And so when that, um, that second seal is, taking, uh, is opened, there is going to be war, there is going to be fight. And now the third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the living, um, the living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse. He who sat on it had pairs of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for the denarius, three quarts of belly, for Daenerys, do not harm the oil. So I remember saying that when the third seal is open, there is going to be scarcity, there is going to be hunger. If we think that inflation is so high now, then we should wait till the third seal is open. Because when the third seal is open, there is going to be a lot of hunger, there is going to be scarcity. People will not be able to afford food. Food will be rationed. Water will be rushing and that time when you read Ezekiel talks about it, there's going to be rushing of food, there's going to be rushing of water. Again, this is not a time that we want to live in. The fourth seal, when the fourth seal is open, I heard a voice of the four living creatures saying, Come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was death, and Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fort of the earth. To kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by beast of the earth. And so what is going to happen here is that 
when the fourth seal is opened, death is released. And he was going to kill with hunger over the earth. He was going to kill with hunger. He was going to kill with death. He was going to kill with the beast of the earth. And so wild beasts will come up, eating up um, the people. There was going to, a lot of people were going to die out of hunger. A lot of people were going to die um, by the sword. And the Bible says that death was released and grave followed death. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that the grave is never satisfied. It's always asking for more. And when the fourth seal is re released, the Bible tells us that a fourth of the people on earth, which means 25% of the people on earth, are going to die. They are going to be killed with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast of the earth. Now, even if the happenings of this time does not touch your heart, even if it does not affect you, the fact that You'll be listening to the news and you'll hear people dying here, people dying. Look at this when this pandemic started. And we kept hell, we kept hearing the number of people who were dying every day, every day. That was such a stressful time to live in. That was such depressing information to hear every day. And imagine that at 25% of the people on earth are going to die when the fourth seal is released. And there's, I'm sure that there's going to be improved technology. I'm sure we're going to have this information on a real-time real basis. And we're going to know what was happening all, all over the earth. And people are dying because the fourth seal has been released and death has been released and the grave is following death. So when the fourth seal is released, the Bible says 25% of the people on earth are going to die. Now the fifth seal. And when the feet seal, when he opened the feet seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the testimony that they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, and, and true, until you judge and avenge the blood of those who dwell on earth? Now, the Bible tells us that, that these people who are, who, who are um, who are under the altar were the the saints from the tribulation were people from the tribulation who decided that they were going to hold on onto their faith. They did not give up their and remember at this point the Antichrist had broken the treaty and so his real characters were showing and he were they were killing the believers who had decided not to give up on their faith and now the believers receive their souls in heaven under an altar and they are crying unto the lord to avenge their death and listen to what god tells them he says the bible says verse 11 then a white robe was given to each one of them it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who will be killed as they were was complete. So this tells us that there were more people who were going to be killed during the tribulation. More believers were going to be martyred for their faith. And the Lord says, "You, the people who had already gone, who had been martyred for their faith, who are in heaven at that time, were crying unto God for their, for God to avenge their death. And God says, rest a little until the number of your brethren, which means that more people were going to die through um the tribulation more believers more people who come to believe were going to die during the tribulation and that is what again that i i said 
gives us evidence that the Holy Spirit was going to be around because the first person who was martyred, which is Stephen, was full of the Holy Ghost. And he was that's what energized him to hold on to his faith. And people are going to need the presence of the Holy Ghost to go through the tribulation. The Holy Ghost was given during the Feast of Harvest. That was the time for the harvest of the souls. And I believe that in Revelation, we see a lot of... During the tribulation, we still see a lot of harvest going on. And so the Holy Ghost, the presence of the Holy Ghost will be so important and so needed during the tribulation. That is why I believe that the Holy Spirit is not the one restraining the Antichrist, but it is the church. Because the Holy Ghost, the presence of the Holy Ghost will be needed during the tribulation for the people who come to faith. The people who will have to stand for their faith. And even for their conversion, the presence of the Holy Spirit will be so important. So after the um, the seed seal is is released, <clears throat> the Bible says, I looked when the seed seal was opened, and behold, a great earthquake, and the sun was the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell as the fig tree drops. When it's shaking with a mighty wind, and the sky rescended as a scroll which is scrolled up, and then and every mountain and island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in a in caves and in the rocks of the mountain, and said to the mountain and rocks, Fallen as and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. I remember again mentioning last week that at this point, a lot of people will desire to die. But the desire to die will be taken away. They will not be able to die. They are saying they, they will run to the mountains and underneath the mountains. You see, the Bible says there is going to be a lot of... Um, Things happening on earth. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be the, the stars are going to fall from the the sky. The the sun is going to be darkened, and um, the moon is going to become like blood. Um, we, the, um, the Bible says um, the the sky is going to rescind when it is rolled up. The the sky is going to rescind as a scroll when it is rolled up. So the the sky is going to rescind and it's going to appear like when you roll something or when you roll a scroll and at this point because of all the natural disasters that were happening people would desire to die so that they'll just leave the face of the earth they just want to leave the face of the earth and at that point they'll say the mountains and the rocks or all the natural disasters should even kill them but death will be taken away from them now like i said as scary as everything that we are reading sounds right now, the church will be taken away from this and the church will not experience this. When we hear all these things, the reason why revelation was given to us 2,000 years in advance, it's not so that when we read these things, we become scared, but it's so that we'll be informed of the things that will happen after the church is taken away. The things that will happen when the world is coming to an end. This have been written in Revelations to inform us and to warn us 
so that we will escape these things, so that we will not be here when these things happen. And how are we able to escape? When we commit our life to Christ and we abide in him, we will be raptured to go and reunite with Christ. So all these things are written not to scare us, but to warn us of the things that are going to happen so that we live our lives worthy of our calling so that when Christ comes one day, we'll go to be with him. Right, so I took my time to go to Revelation chapter 6 again because of the mix-up last week. So we're going to move to Revelation chapter 7. I believe we touched on Revelation chapter 7 where we spoke We spoke about 144 people, Jewish people who are going to um, become evangelists at the time when the church is taken away. When the church is raptured, God is going to use this 144 Jewish people to evangelize the world, to evangelize to the Jews, to evangelize to um, to the Gentiles as well. And the Jews will come to believe. Many of the Jews will come to believe. Now, uh, some people have said that the people, who this 144 people, are the only people who will go to heaven. I don't know where they get that from because when you read the Bible... The Bible does not make mention of the 144 people being the people who go to heaven. The Bible only tells us that the 144 people were sealed. And later in Revelation chapter 13, the Bible tells us that these 144 people will go and meet Christ on the mountain, on Mount Zion, which we believe to be Jerusalem. So the 144 people will go and meet Christ in Jerusalem. I don't know where the people get that interpretation from, which says that only 144,000 people will go to heaven. Because just after the 144 people, 144,000 people are numbered, the Bible says 12 people from every tribe of Israel. And we saw last week that um, the tribe of Dan and Ephraim lost their place because they gave into idolatry. And so they were replaced with the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Joseph, who were not part of the original um, 12 tribes of Israel. So after the 144,000 people are numbered, right in um, uh, verse 9, the Bible says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white, with palm branches in their hands, singing with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and 24 elders, um, 24 living creatures, and, uh, I'm sorry, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their face before the throne, and worshipped God. And so just after the 144,000 people are numbered, the Bible says that the, the next thing the Bible mentions in the Revelation is that he looked and the multitude of people were before the throne and they had white robes. You know, when Christ was going into Jerusalem, they had branches and they were waving these branches. This was a sign of victory, a sign of conquering. And they were using the branches to welcome Christ as the king, to celebrate the king and to celebrate the victory, that they have victory. 
And so this was what is happening in the revelation here, that the multitude of people were before the throne and they were celebrating victory. So I don't know where the people get that interpretation from. I don't know where they get that idea from, that only 120, 44,000 people are going to make it into heaven. But we don't see that from the scriptures. We don't see that from the book of Revelations. And so it is not true that... Uh, and then again, even when you read further, the same chapter, when you read further, the Bible says that after, after the singing, then one of the elders answered me. That's one of the elders came to John and asked John. John asked, he asked John, who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And John said, I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And so right there in chapter 7, the Bible tells us that the people who came out of the great tribulation were a multitude of people, were so many of them. And so this is even explained here in Revelation. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. So their sins were washed with the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night. And they shall neither hunger anymore, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor heat, nor the Lamb, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and will lead them to the living fountain of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their face and so there are teachings out there that only 144,000 people will make it to heaven that is not supported by scripture because just after the 144 people are mentioned the bible tells us that there are a lot of people will be in the presence of god amen all right, so I think this is where we got we uh, this is where we got to last week, and um, I just wanted to explain because of the mix up in the slide. I just wanted to explain chapter six again, which is the release of the seals. And so what we see happen in chapter six is that after the seals, after the seals are opened, the last seal, which is the seventh seal, there is a pause there. And we are giving more information about what is happening. And so after the six seals are opened, the seventh seal, there is a pause, and then we have information. All right. Okay, so we, we are going to move to Revelation We are going to move to Revelation chapter 8 then. Right. All right. So Revelation chapter 8. The Bible says, And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. So from chapter 6, we see six seals opened. And chapter 7 gives us more information about what is going on. And then chapter 8 continues with the seventh seal. And so he says, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. 
So there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And like I said last week, a lot of people have tried to um, explain this silence for half an hour. But if the Bible says there was silence for half an hour, we will just take what the Bible is saying. Let's not go for extra biblical evidence. I don't know any extra biblical information that we can use to explain this. The Bible says there was silence for half an hour. And so until we get to heaven, we will not know what was happening in this in the silence. Everything that we will see about the the um the what the silence is will be an assumption. The Bible just said there was silence in heaven when the seventh seal was open. So we will take what the Bible is saying. So when the seventh seal is open, there will be silence in heaven. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So listen, listen look very carefully. When the seventh seal is open. The seventh seal comes with seven angels, and these seven angels had seven trumpets. So just the seventh seal has seven different angels with seven different trumpets, and all of them are going to blow their trumpet one after the other. And when they blow their trumpet, they are going to release woes, or they are going to release, it's going to have an effect on the earth. So we have seven seals, six of them was, were opened, and now the seventh one is opened. When the seventh one is open, we see seven angels with seven trumpets and seven wolves that are going to release upon the earth. And so, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He, he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God, ascended before God from the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thundering, lightning, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound so the seventh seal we see seven angels with seven trumpets and the bible says that when he opened the 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 prayers of the saints it tells us that the prayers of the saints is going to play a very important role in the tribulation in the judgment that is going to be released the prayers of the saints which rose up to god um is to uh, the, the seventh seal is telling us that when before all, before the trumpets are going to be sound, the prayers of the seal, uh, the prayers of the saints, I'm sorry, is going to rise up to God. It tells us that anytime, no prayer that we say here on earth is wasted. I think we read earlier on that the prayers of the saints was, was an incense in the presence of God. And this is what we see again, that before the release of the final seal, um, before the release of the final um, if, um Activities in the tribulation, the prayers of the saints is thrown thrown down on earth here, and that caused a lot of noise, thundering, lightning, and earthquake. Because the prayers ro rose to God, that also has a role to play in the um, tribulation. Now, when you when you look at the Old Testament, there are three things that happen when a trumpet is sound. First is to gather the Lord's people. In, Roman, uh, in, in Numbers chapter 10, verse 7 to 8, 
When the trumpet was sound, it was to gather the Lord's people. Two, to assemble the Lord's army. When the trumpet was sounded in Rome, um, Numbers chapter 10, verse 9, it was to assemble the Lord's army. The third one is to announce a new king. So when a new king was announced in the Old Testament, they would sound the trumpet. This time the trumpet was going to sound as a declaration of war. The golden incense had the prayers of the saints. Now, when we read further, the Bible says the angel, the first angel sounded. So now, the seven angels who came out of the seven seals with the trumpet, the first one is now sounding his trumpet. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed mingled with blood and they were thrown to the earth and the third of the trees were burnt up and all the grass were burnt up. So the first trumpet is sound. And remember, after the release of the three seal, um, the six seals, there's hunger, peace has been taken away, there is scarcity, there's uh, people are killing themselves, the Antichrist is ruling, um, the stars are falling, and so all these things are happening. There's no, it's not like there's going to be any break. So these things are happening. A lot of people think that um. The things that are written in Revelations are, are, are going to happen chronologically. Some of them are going to happen simultaneously. So these things are happening and then these things are also happening at the same time. This, the things that have been mentioned in the first six seals are happening. And the thing that is, is going to happen in the seven seals will also come and add to what is already happening. And so remember a fourth of the people on the earth, 25% of the people are dead already. And where all this depressing news is going on, people are hearing what is going on. It's not a time that anybody wants to wants to leave. Right? And so the third of the trees are going to burn up, and all the grass were burned up. Now, the the then the second seal. But the Bible tells us that the people of God, that is the hundred and forty-four thousand people, are going to be sealed. And so they are not going to experience these things. God is going to cover them. God is going to protect them. Now, this has happened before in Exodus when all the plagues were happening in the land of Egypt. The people of God were protected. And so this is not a mystery that God can do this. He has done it before. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea and the third of the ships were destroyed. And you remember that the Bible says when the angels were deciding to do these things in chapter 7, God said, wait until I seal my people. And so God is going to seal his people when these things are happening. And so the third of the sea was going to turn to blood. We, see, we saw this happen in Egypt, remember? And the third of the living creatures in the sea would die. And a third of the ships were destroyed. I believe that during, there's going to be, um, there's go, we will continue to see development in technology and things are going to happen. But the Bible says that we see when the wrath of God is released, no technology will be able to stand against the wrath of God. No technology will be able to prevent these things from happening. No matter the wisdom that men have at that time, they cannot face or they cannot fight the wrath of God. No, so no technology can save any person at that time. When the second angel sound his trumpet, a third of the sea is going to turn to blood. The third of the living creatures in the sea 
So even the food that you get from the sea, it's also going to be corrupted. It's also going to um, die. And the third of the ships are also going to be destroyed. Now the third angel will sound his trumpet. Now when the third angel sounded, a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and of the spring of waters. The name of the star is wood, worm, wormwood. And a third of the waters became wormwood. And many died from the water because it was bitter. And so the Bible tells us that a star was going to fall. The water was going to become poisonous. And when people start drinking of the water, they are going to die. Because the water has become poisonous. And so reading everything that is going to happen during that time, it is going to be such a difficult time. And so God is telling us these things in advance, not to scare us, but to remind us that this is the punishment for sinners who, have, who are going to reject the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. They have rejected it. They are going to blaspheme against Jesus Christ. They are not going to accept the provision God has made for them. And even in the midst of everything they are going through, they are still going to reject that salvation. Because the 144 evangelists are still preaching. Some people are getting saved. but And, and when they are getting saved, they are also getting sealed. Some of them are being martyred for their faith. But they are people who live in this time and will still decide to blaspheme against God and blaspheme against Jesus Christ and reject the gospel and will not accept the word of God. So those people have marked themselves as enemies of God. And those people cannot be saved. And this also, um, um, the people who also at that time will take the mark of the beast, which we will see later, those people, they cannot be saved. Bible says as soon as they took the mark of the beast, there was no way they could be saved again. And so everything that is happening it's not even it's not against the people of God. It's not against the people who will even repent at that time because God is going to seal them and preserve them. But it's against the people who will reject God's provision, who will reject God's provision for for salvation for all mankind and continue to blaspheme against God. God will continue to make a way for people to be saved even in the midst of the tribulation. Those who want to say, um, who want to be saved, those who want to surrender their life to God, God is going to save them. But the people who reject God, the people who accept the mark of the beast, who cannot come to salvation again, are going to experience these things that the Bible is talking about. The Bible says, and when the fourth angel sounded, a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day. Did not shine. Can you imagine? There's going to be darkness. And if the, the sun, a third of the sun is not going to, um, it's, not, it's not going to shine anymore. You can imagine the cold. I'm sure those of us who live on this part of the world understand what it means to be cold, to experience a very cold weather. This is when even the sun is shining. <laughs> But at this point, the third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and third of the stars. So they will be darkened. The third of the day will not shine. There will not be any sunlight in a third of the day. So what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is, does that, it's, it's going to happen that, like now that we have uh, how many hours, like 12 hours, there's a third of the day, there's not going to be sunshine at all. 
So the 12 hours divided into three, there's going to be sunshine for like four hours in the day. The third of the uh, the two, the other two, there's not going to be any sunshine. And that is what is going to happen because the sun is going to be um, is going to be darkened when the fourth angel sounds. And I looked and I heard for angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the three angels who are about to sound. Wow. And so this angel is saying everything. If you think that everything that has happened so far is bad, then just wait. Because the next three angels who are going to sound their trumpet, he says, whoa, that is like, when the Bible says, whoa, it's like, curse are the inhabitants of the earth. Those who are living in the earth at this time, curse. Because the angels who are going to sound their next trumpets, it means that what they are about to sound, what they are, they are about to release is more severe than what we have seen so far. The seats, the six seals, and the four trumpets. What is going to happen next? The next three of the trumpet is severe than everything we have heard so far. So I want to stop here. Like I said we want to make time for the questions because last week we could not ask the questions. And so I'm going to stop here. That's chapter 8. We're going to stop here and not go into chapter 9. And then we're going to take the questions. If there are any questions from last week or from this week. And then we'll discuss the questions. So the floor is open for questions. Last week, I was moving too fast, so um, we had to go over everything again. Any any other question? Right. So, um, um, is there any other question or contribution? Okay. 
So I'm going to read from um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 again. Uh, I'm starting from verse 13. The Bible says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who fall asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ or who sleep in Jesus. It is referring to the dead. So Paul was writing to the Thessalonian church to comfort them concerning their relatives or their friends who had died. And he's saying that, brethren, I do not want you to, to sorrow as those who are without hope. So he was using these words to encourage the church concerning their friends and their relatives who are dead. Who are dead. He says, for those who are falling asleep, asleep. So if you are in Jesus Christ, when you die, that is sleep for you. And that is the word Paul is using here. He says, let's not sorrow as those who are without hope. So he was telling them that even though you have, you might have lost a relative, don't sorrow as a, somebody who has no hope. For if we believe that Jesus Christ rose again, so even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. So he's saying those who die in Jesus Christ, if we believe that Jesus Christ rose again, then God will bring with him those who died in Jesus Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the lord therefore comfort one another with these words and so the bible says that um from what we just read whatever they were talking about the second coming of jesus christ it was not to scare unbelievers it was not to even rebuke the the believers but it was to comfort them to bring them hope that one day they are going to be reunited with jesus christ and so as children of god when we hear all these things we should take comfort in these things that it means that we are going to be reunited with christ i keep repeating this point because i a lot of the time when we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's so much fear. When we talk about the book of Revelation, there is so much fear. But I want to ask you to understand that as children of God, there is nothing to be afraid of when we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation was written at a point and sent to the churches at a point where the churches were being persecuted by the kings and the emperors of that time. And so the book was to bring comfort to the church and to the believers. That was the purpose of the revelation that was written. It was to tell them that they have a kingdom that is going to be everlasting one day when they reunite with Jesus Christ. It was to tell them that there's glorious hope. And when it described the splendor in heaven, the majesty of the throne in heaven, that couldn't have been compared to the throne at that time, the throne of the king or the emperor of that time. The, and that's why the revelation took time to paint the throne in heaven and the glorious um, 
presence of God and his throne and the um, his presence and the place that God was sitting a, a good amount of time and a good amount of words were, were, were taken to describe all those things. So when the church reads all these things, they think about the glory of God and they compare that to the glory of the emperor of that, at that time. And they know that they have a better kingdom. They belong to a more powerful king who is the king of all the earth. It was also to remind the church at that time that every kingdom was going to be subdued and it will become the kingdom of God and the kingdom of his people. And so when the people and the church who was going through tribulation read these things, it was exciting news for them. It, was, it brought so much comfort and so much joy for them to persevere and press on because they knew that if they are able to overcome, they are going to be part of a glorious kingdom. They are going to be subject of a great and a loving king who was going to rule with them and was not going to make them subject of pain. But he was going to give them thrones and they were going to reign with this king. And so when the first church read this thing, it was exciting news for them. And as believers of this age, when we read these things, it should be exciting for us, just like it was exciting for the church of those, uh, um, the church in that age. I believe that when Revelation is preached right and right, and we understand the content of the book, it's exciting news for us. And that is how I want us to receive the book of Revelation and receive the things that Revelation is talking about here. In previous days. In previous times, it has been preached with fear. But let's see this as wonderful reunion with Christ, the one we love. And wonderful um, time for reward for every believer. The action we need to take on this world is to walk worthy of Christ and abide in him till the end. Amen. We have two minutes left. Any question or contribution? All right. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity. We pray that this glorious hope will continue to resound in our hearts. We pray. Lord, that will keep our eyes on the goal, will keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. Any sin that so easily besets us, Father, we pray for the grace to overcome. Anything, O oh God, that will be a hindrance to our way and our walk with you, we pray for the grace to be victorious, just like you won the victory. We thank you that you have made grace available for us, for this is the faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And therefore, we thank you that our faith will continue to grow from grace to grace until we see you and until we meet you on that glorious day. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen.